Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. If you weren't here last week, um, I'm just going to tell you this series builds on itself. And so being um, in the messages is uh, very important to be able to build. I am going to do a little recap for you right here. But if you didn't listen to the message, download our app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can go listen to that. I would encourage you to do so um, because it's really going to help as we build out this series um, together. And this, uh, this means a lot to Shauna and I as we prayed and prepared our hearts for this series was um, I grew up in church. As my background it was kind of one of those things, um, you know, I can make the joke like I was a drug baby because I was drugged to church. Like, there was just no option. And one day you guys will see my dad, and my dad is, uh, I, I get everything, physique and all that. Like, my mom graduated high school at 95 pounds. She's a tiny little lady. My dad is not a tiny little man, okay? And so if dad's like, you go in, there's just no, like, you're not going to buck back. Just don't do that. Bad idea. I did one time when I was 18. My dad slammed me on the floor, and he said, do you want to move this to the front yard? And I said, no, sir. I'm done. I was talking, he, he didn't even refer to her as my mom. He said, don't you talk to my wife that way. And I learned real quick at 18, I was nobody. <laughs> um, and so uh, anyways, uh, you know, how I grew up um, personally, like in church, I just had to be there. And I'm so thankful for the roots that I have. But I learned more Father, Son, Holy Bible than I learned Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We just didn't talk about Holy Spirit often growing up. And so this series is built around that idea, the God that I never knew. And last week, if you were here for a recap, um, one of the statements that you have to get ingrained in your heart and your soul is to be able to say, Holy Spirit is my God. Because God is God, Jesus is God, and Holy Spirit is God. This is three in one. Like I said last week, the, the simple man's version that I teach Summer Kate with about Father, Son, Holy Spirit is H2O. It can be a solid, a liquid, or a gas. But it is still H2O. Different forms, but it is still H2O. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It is God. Different forms, but it is God. He is God. And so and that was a big thing was last week we asked the question, who is he? So here's a few things from last week. We know he's God. We know that he's our helper. We, we talked about the Greek word parakletos. And parakletos means to come alongside. And that's what Jesus did. He sent the Holy Spirit to come alongside us. That um, when he looked at the disciples, remember, it's a bunch of young boys hanging out with the Messiah, the Savior of the world. They have quit their jobs trying to learn dad's profession, and they're like, I'm going to follow this man. And they go on a crazy three-year tour, and then at the end of it, Jesus is like, hey, I'm going to die. And they're like, surely you're not going to die. He dies. And then he comes back from the dead three days later. He reveals himself to them multiple times and then tells them, it is for your benefit that I leave. These guys are like, No. You're a liar. Jesus, I love you, but you're crazy. How could it be for our benefit? We gave up everything to follow you, and you're the one with the power. You're the one that heals the sick and raises the dead. I mean, heck, you were dead, and here you are. And Jesus says, it's for your benefit that I leave. The reason he said that is because Jesus had the spirit in and upon him. But the, the disciples did not yet have the spirit in and upon them. And so he was saying, I've got to go, because if I leave and I put my spirit in and on all of you, there is more impact. That's how the kingdom of God was going to advance, that, that, that the believers, the followers of Jesus would get God's spirit in and on them. And so he's our helper, and then we know that it was better for Jesus to leave so that he could send the Holy Spirit to us. And one thing the Holy Spirit does, and it was cool, in our, we do a meeting at um, 
9.30 with all of our serve crew members. So anybody who serves, the team that gets here at 6.45 and they're cleaning, you know, cafeteria smells and, you know, the baby rooms and all that, make sure this is ready for you to be able to walk in. We meet at 9.30 and one of our um, serve crew uh, members, Chris, he was sharing about this past week and he was talking about having some conversations with people at work. And he said these people struck up conversations about God. And he said he's sitting there and he was just kind of like, man, I didn't even have to like start this. Like they just did it on their own. He was like, man, I could have been kind of like nervous about some things. He said, but scriptures just started coming to my mind. He said scriptures that I didn't even know that I knew. And this is what Jesus said. He said, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance everything that I have told you. And so that's why the Holy Spirit had to come. And so I'm going to pray real quick, and I'm going to try to preach super fast because we dedicate all these children because everybody keeps being fruitful and multiplying around here. Um, but we got to get this series, uh, this, this week of the series in. So let's pray. Holy Spirit, teach us. We thank you for your word. It's alive. Our hearts are open. Our minds are ready to receive. Bring revelation, Jesus, that only you can bring. And we pray it in your name. And everybody said, amen. John chapter 4, I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'm just going to use it as a setup, and we'll land back there again. But John chapter 4, Jesus is on his way, um, and, and he's actually going through a town called Samaria. And Samaria is an interesting town for Jesus to go through because he's a Jew, and Jew and Samaritans do not uh, get along well. There's a huge racial issue, huge racial tension between Samaritans and Jews. Jesus shows up to a well in the afternoon, and there's a woman at the well in the afternoon. We could talk a lot about it, but there's a problem with a woman being at the well in the afternoon because women would go early in the morning or late in the evening to draw water because it's so hot because the well was outside the city. But this woman happened to be there in the afternoon. Well, the reason she's there in the afternoon is because Jesus said, hey, woman, why don't you go get your husband? She said, I don't have a husband. He said, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five husbands, and the man you live with right now isn't your husband. She says, sir, you must be a prophet. And so then they get in this whole conversation. And this woman is outside the city going, this man reading my mail. And so they get in this conversation, and she's like, well, you Jews say that we should worship here, and us Samaritans think we should worship here. And in John 4.24, Jesus says this to the woman, God is spirit, and those who worship him must not could, not if you'd like, must worship him in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. That's why when we sing worship songs, we're not just singing something that feels good. We're singing something that's rooted in biblical truth. It has to be because the spirit of God will move on that which is truth. Amen? And so in John 4, 24, he tells this woman, God is spirit. So if you're just, as we're talking about Holy Spirit being God, if you're like, no, I don't know about all that, I'm just letting you know Jesus said it. So if you disagree with it, you disagree with Jesus, and you have to take that up with him, all right? But God is spirit. And if we're going to worship him, we have to worship him in spirit and in truth. And I'm going to come back to that scripture later, but basically I'll get you to a landing point before we revisit it in the next 20 minutes, uh, maybe sooner. But basically she has this conversation he uh, says a bunch of stuff, and then she says, she basically just tries to end the argument, because they're arguing about where people should worship, and she says, well, when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus stands in front of her and says, I am the one you're talking about. It's me. Hello. Like right there at the well. See, the reason she was there at noon is because with the lifestyle she was living, all the women would have went early in the morning or late in the evening. And so she was probably dealing with some form of judgment, ridicule, gossip. And so if I could just go in the afternoon, it's hotter, but I don't have to face the judgment. And what's crazy is that she's, with, she's been with six men at this point. And the Bible, the number six is the number of humanity. It's the number of mankind. It, it represents all throughout Scripture us doing it on our own. But the number seven is completion or perfection. And Jesus is literally standing in front of her saying, I'm number seven. I can complete you. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, and he's not. 
but I can. I'm the one. And at that point, the Bible just says she drops her water jar. The whole reason she walked outside of town and she runs into town to tell people, the people that she was probably worried about judging her. And she says, come meet a man who told, told me everything about my life. Everybody in town is like, we know a lot about your life. <laughs> he, he just started talking to you about your life. Okay. And so that's where I'll land it. We'll come back in just a second. But Galatians chapter 5 is where we're going to spend the majority of our time. My question today is this. Last week is who is he? This week is what is he like? What is he like? The Holy Spirit, what is he like? I challenged you this past week that to have personal encounters with the Holy Spirit, that you don't need a preacher, you don't need a song, but that on your way to work, you can begin to press in and ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to show up, to speak to you, to lead you, to guide you. Read a scripture. And when you read the scripture and go, I ain't got a clue, that's okay. That's okay. There's a lot of times I still read the Bible and I ain't got a clue. Calling pastors that are wiser than me, asking questions. But you know what I do before and after I read something? Holy Spirit, will you lead and guide me in all truth? Because he's the teacher. This is what the Holy Spirit does. And so Galatians chapter 5, we're going to talk about what he is like. And Galatians 5, 16 is where we'll start. And it says this. And I'll never forget growing up in church, sitting on the front row. Brother Eddie, our pastor, was preaching. I would sit on the front row because I played drums on Sundays. Now, I grew up in a more traditional church. So we had to put drum set on the stage for about three months just to get, you know, more seasoned people, like, okay that there were drums. We didn't even play them. We just let them sit there. I had drums on stage. Right. And then finally it was like, okay. And then they like gave us like these toothbrushes to play with. I was like, this is all you can play with. Play lightly. Why are we sitting up here? Right. Anyways. So continue to play because I just love drums. I need an excuse. And so play drums. So I'd always sit on the front row because I had to go back up afterwards. And I'll never forget our pastor was preaching. Well, I do forget. I forgot what he was preaching. But I'll never forget this moment because I was just flipping through my Bible. And as a young high school kid struggling with impure thoughts and lust and going, I want to do things God's way, but I just, I can't get it right. And I came across Galatians 5.16. I'll never forget reading it. And I could just say it to you right now where it says, so I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. I memorized that at 15, 16 years old. Um, Galatians 5.16, NIV, it says, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And the flesh would be our sinful nature. Um, the, the New King James Version says sinful nature. But I remember hearing this scripture and going, okay, I don't know much about the Holy Spirit because of how I grew up, but what I know is, is if I live by him, it doesn't say you might not gratify the desires. You maybe will get a little bit better. It says you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I don't know if you're here and you have any struggles with sin. If not, please come talk to me after service. I'd love to figure out how the heck you're doing this thing called life. Because for me, that it is easy to still live trying to gratify our own desires. Like to, to, to turn it back and to be selfish instead of what Christ is, is selfless. And that's, that's the constant battle. And so this is the battle we see. It says, so I say, walk by the Spirit. Everyone say Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Everyone say flesh. If you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit comes alive in you, and I need you to know that for the rest of your life, you are at war on the inside. The Spirit and the flesh will be at war for the rest of your life on this planet. Until you die, and this body's gone, and you're in heaven, and there's no more flesh or sinful nature, you will war forever. Good news. Come on. Let's go. But here's what I would say to you. I, I've pastored young people for so many years. I've talked with young people. Pastor John, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. And I would just say I learned long ago that it, in, in, the, in the life of faith, it's not trying, it's training. 
You're going to have to train yourself to be discipled and disciplined to say, these are the principles of God that I live by because this is who God is and these are his truths. And I'm going to have to choose to do some things or choose not to do some things, not because it's comfortable or what I want, but because that's what freedom looks like. And I have to train myself to live by the spirit. So a young person will be like, Pastor John, I'm just struggling. I'll never get it right. Bro, you've been saved for three months. You are 16 years old. For 16 years, you have followed the flesh. And now for three months, you've been trying to follow the spirit of God. And you're like, I can't get it right. That's because you got a whole lot more training doing the things of the flesh than doing the things of the spirit. Some of us don't give ourselves the grace that God gives us. We don't give our own selves the grace that, hey, we're going to, look, you mess up. The Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, you confess with your sins. Confess your sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And guess what? I would look at him, and I look at you today, and so I say, live by the Spirit. Choose the Spirit. Recognize what that decision of the flesh was, whether it was an outburst of anger, whether it was going somewhere you shouldn't have gone, saying something you shouldn't have said. Recognize it. We, we confess it. He's faithful and just. You don't got to beg God to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive you. I feel like there's some of us who are like, God, please do it. Please do it. And he's like, I'm going to do it. I was ready to do it all along. Just ask me. I'm faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And so I say, live by the Spirit. But here's the question. If we have a spirit and a flesh, what does the flesh produce and what does the Spirit produce? Because one of the things I want you to know is what's he like? Well, he's a producer. He's a producer. Let me show you that what the flesh produces first. Galatians 5. We're going to go back to 16 and read all the way to 21. So I say, walk by the Spirit. You will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. They're against each other. And the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other so that you are, not, you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, which can mean filthy or empty living, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, Factions, which can mean cliques, meaning don't become exclusive. The gospel is inclusive, right? Envy and drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I know there's some churches and some preachers like, bro, I don't read that scripture. I don't know why you wouldn't read that scripture because that scripture is not trying to make anyone feel bad. It's trying to make people feel free. Because I just want you to know when I just read all that, no one looked at you and said, don't you do it, don't you do it, don't you do it. The Apostle Paul is writing this saying, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to. You get to live free. You don't have to do that. We get to live free. Christianity so many times, well, if I follow God, I can't, I can't, I can't do this. I can't look at that. I can't drink that. Well, this is, this is not an I can't kind of gospel. This is a gospel that says I don't have to. That brings shame, regret. It makes me sit in the, in the insecurity that I've battled for so long, but I've been set free, and I live by the Spirit. So I don't have to, and I get to. I get to walk in freedom. I get to not have my past holding me down. I get to live this way. The Spirit versus the flesh is what I get to, and I don't have to. And there's people who are like, yeah, yeah, but there's some things that I like. Well, just because you like it doesn't mean that it's best for you. Just because you've found comfort in something doesn't mean that it's good for you. You've just found comfort, and God's, like, literally calling you to a comforter, one who can comfort you better than the thing you run to. I'll just give you some examples of my life personally, and this is, this is me. There are personal convictions, and then there are biblical things that we have to be, have convictions about, okay? But there are some personal convictions of, of my own. As a youth pastor for a lot of years, I was addicted to caffeine at, like, a high level, like 900-plus milligrams a day. If you do anything like medical or you're like anything, you know, sports, like you know that there's a problem. Yeah, it was a problem. 
It was bad, bro. I was just trying to hang, I was trying to hang with the young ones. I was just getting older. But it, it got bad. And I remember our church did a 21-day fast. And I said, I'm going to fast for 21 days, and I'm going to do nothing but water. I mean, I ate food. I wasn't that spiritual. But when it came to anything that I was going to drink, it was going to be water only. Y'all, I never done drugs. I like I that's just not my story. But bro, something started happening. I remember talking with friends. Actually, I think we even talked with Courtney. I was like, my back and the back of my legs are hurting. She says, that's because you're going through withdrawals. I said, what do you mean withdrawals? She's like, your body has become so accustomed to caffeine that, you know, your, 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 the, the capillaries in your veins will take it in, and it's literally aching because it's, it's wanting it. And I was like, oh, this is bad news. And it was like two weeks of that. It started here with like bad headaches, and I'm talking it ran all the way to about the last week it was in the back of my legs. And I remember when I finally got through all the withdrawals, I was like, man, this is awesome. You can just live on water. I had a coffee this morning. And half an energy drink, I'm just confessing, okay? Um, but I don't take 900 milligrams anymore. And, uh, but for me, this is just something the Lord started putting on my heart as a personal conviction. One of the things that, it's not that I can't, it's that I don't have to, is when I need energy, I don't run immediately to coffee or an energy drink. I started, I just have a practice in my life. Holy Spirit, you just give me energy today? Headaches? Look, I'll take the Tylenol. I can't take ibuprofen. I got some kidney issues, but I'll take Tylenol. But I just remember being, like, challenged by the Lord. Like, John, do you ever come to me about the headache first before you grab Tylenol? Like, simple things. Some of you are like, wow, this is, like, super. I think God wants to be invested in every. When you have a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit, you can talk to him all throughout the day. He wants to hear from you. He was sent to be alongside you. Could you imagine someone being sent to live alongside you all your life, and you only engage with them from 1030 to 1145 on Sunday? What an awkward relationship that would be like for the rest of the week. And some of us treat our marriages this way, and this is why they struggle. I'm just, <laughs> just saying. Fellas, we need, we need to change that. I don't really talk much. Well, bro, you better start talking because she, she needs you to communicate. Anyways, I don't know why I said that. That was for somebody. <laughs> I was like, we ain't going. We ain't come back to this church. Um, so they're in conflict with each other. But it says, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. He says all of the things that the, the flesh produces, Okay. So I want to stop there because if I jump to Ephesians 5.18, this is a really important scripture. It says this in Ephesians 5.18. For me, talking about what I was consuming, God was just challenging me to go to him first, right? I still have my coffee. I still take the Tylenol. But I just started building this practice into my life. I go to him first asking for whatever I might find relief from something else, right? doesn't mean that those things aren't God has given people wisdom and knowledge, but it's just trained a conviction in me that I go to him first when anything's going on. Right? But look at Ephesians um, chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. The Holy Spirit will help you do this. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, hello, which leads to debauchery, filthy or empty living. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And then it says, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This scripture is really interesting because a lot of people just jump to the scripture and make the scripture all about alcohol. When the scripture actually has very little to do with alcohol, but you got to understand in, in this context, um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, look, you can just drink, do whatever you want. Jesus turned water into wine. He did turn water into wine, but y'all, he couldn't have turned it into Dr. Pepper. People would have been like, what's this? <laughs> they, they had water and wine. There are options, okay? But this scripture, its focus is not alcohol. And it, I mean, it lets us know. The Bible says don't get drunk. Now, there'd be people like, yeah, the Bible doesn't say don't drink. 
And if you want to try to figure out wherever that line's at, you go ahead and try to figure out where the line's at. I don't know where the line's at, and I know I'm crazy enough without anything. I'm just saying. But here it says, do not get drunk with wine because it leads to something, okay? But this is the purpose of the scripture. The focus isn't alcohol. The focus is that there's substance that people fill themselves with. And what he says in the scriptures, he says, but be filled with the spirit. Because, I mean, let's be honest, wherever we, alcohol is like not even, I don't, I don't care about having some long drawn out conversation. But if we talk about drunkenness, people who are like addicted to a place, I just drive myself to this place. It's because they're trying to forget things and deal with things or actually not deal with things that they don't want to deal with. Right? And this is why the scripture says, but. So, but in scripture, I used to always say to young people, but, that's a big old but. Almost as big as, and then I'd say some kid's name. But I'm not going to do that in here because that gets weird. And I usually picked, like, you know, the scrawny middle school little boy so that it wasn't really awkward. Now it's getting really awkward. And I was like, you did that? Look, this was, like, early 2000s. Leave me alone. It says, but be filled with the Spirit. That but is what we would, it's, it's comparative. And so at that moment, everything's shifting in the Greek. And he's saying, people do this, but I'm offering you a different substance. But be filled with the Spirit. So the word filled is also in the comparative tense. And it means to continually be filled. See, you and I, it's not like, Holy Spirit, fill me. All right, I'm good. No, it is. Jesus, I give my life to you. Okay, I have become a follower of Jesus. I am saved. I'm going to spend eternity with him. But on the journey, I'm continually being filled. Holy Spirit, fill me because these people in traffic is crazy. Holy Spirit, fill me because my husband did not put the toilet seat down yet again. Holy Spirit, fill me because this girl at work needs to get fired. Holy Spirit, like this continually filled with the Spirit. We have to, because if not, you're going to revert to whatever you were born into, which is the flesh. And I already read you what that produces. And I don't think there's anyone that would hear that list and was like, you know what? That's the list of characteristics I want from all of my best friends. Dissensions, factions, lying, backstabbing, outburst of anger. Such a good friend. No one. No one wants this. But the Spirit of God produces something else. Galatians chapter 5, look at what he produces together right here. Galatians 5, moving on into verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love this. Against such things, there is no law. No one's getting pulled over for any of that. Excuse me, sir. Too much kindness going on. There's no law against this. If you're in this room today, I don't believe in this God stuff. I don't believe in this Jesus thing. Fine. He's not offended and neither am I. I'm just telling you these are the best way to live. And you wouldn't disagree with me. Go find any group standing on a street corner advocating for anything where they're trying to advocate for whatever their form of justice is. And they're like, we need more peace. We need more love. The problem is it's all counterfeit versions. And unless you know God, you will not know love because it's who he is. It's who he is. You want love, it's God. You want joy, it's God. You want peace, it's God. And I'm not going to live the one life I have on earth settling for a counterfeit version of what God will give me freely. Think about that. How many of us have settled, myself included, for a counterfeit version of what God will give freely? And so these are the things the Holy Spirit produces. But I had this thought. I brought some fruit with me. There's a couple issues when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. Now I'm going to throw some fruit, so you better can catch. If you can't, I hope you were good at dodgeball. If you weren't, and you're already like, I'm going to sue this church if he hits me, please don't. You wouldn't get much. We just wouldn't be able to serve any more teachers. Um, 
But, but here's the thing with the fruit of the Spirit, what's interesting about it, is I grew up this way too, but if you actually look in the original language, fruit in the Scripture is singular. It's not the fruits of the Spirit. Love. Oh, hey, sometimes love just slips right through and it just moves right on the next person, you know? God's going to get it to somebody. <laughs> All right, hold on, we'll, we'll try again. It was, it was, a, it was a high throw. God, God throws better than I do. But, but we think of it like this individual fruit, right? So, I mean, there's banana. Like, I need a little bit more love. I need a little bit more joy, a little bit more peace, right? I need a little bit more patience. Oh, great catch. I know y'all are getting scared. I'm going to look right at Eddie. That was a great throw. It's like, I need a little bit more self-control. That wasn't geared towards you. I was just saying it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can pick on him. He's my neighbor. Um, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Miss Goolsby, got all them kindergartners. You know. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Oh, great catch. Faithfulness. Pat. Self-control with the one hand grip. Holy Spirit, I don't know. I was trying to remember another fruit. Here's what's, here's what's interesting about the scripture. It says the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I think the issue that so many of us have when we want, we want this. There's, there, like those of us in the room, we follow Jesus, like, I want that. I, I want the fruit of the Spirit. Ah, I need a little bit more love. Ugh, I can't believe I said that to my wife. I need a little bit more patience. I, can't, I need a little. Wrong perspective. See, the Holy Spirit produces fruit. Stop giving yourself the responsibility to produce something that he does. You don't need fruit. Fruit is not your focus. Root is your focus. You get rooted in the presence of God. Find yourself daily in the presence of God. Encounters with the Holy Spirit, and the fruit will begin to produce. Because when we focus, I need a little bit more love. I need a little bit more patience. We're going around trying to create something that God said, you don't have to do that. Watch people walk away from church. Say, I'm done with God. Because they ended up trying to do God's job instead of just enjoying his presence. Just being. Jesus says it this way, and I was going to use this scripture today, but I had so much to preach. But Jesus says this. He says, abide in me. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Do you know what your responsibility is as a Christian? Work real hard and show up to church and read your Bible every single day. No, Jesus said, just abide. Just abide in me, and you'll bear much fruit. Just stay connected to the vine. Stay connected. It's root, not fruit. He does the fruit. We focus on the root. Psalms 92 says, be planted in the house of the Lord, you'll flourish. Psalms 1.3 says that when we're planted next to, to, to streams of water, it says that the trees will give forth fruit in their season. This is where freedom is found. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The freedom that you and I long for is found in just being in his presence, not feeling that we've got to do better, but just to be with him more. And see, this is where you find the do Verse B, you'll find people doing a lot for God. When doing stuff for God's not bad. If you remember the story of Mary and Martha, anybody remember this story? Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus. Martha is running around the house, getting things ready, fluffing pillows, cooking meals. I mean, she's like picking stuff up with her foot. And she walks up and she says, Jesus, will you tell Mary to get up and help me? And Jesus says, Martha, you're concerned about many things, but Mary has found the one thing. Martha was not running a drug ring out the back of the house, y'all. She wasn't in, She was preparing a meal for Jesus. 
if Jesus was coming to my house, I mean, heck, would some of y'all come to my house? Me and Sean are like, get this made, fix the bed. You know, I'm, we're getting things ready. If someone said Jesus is coming to my house, I'm probably going to get caught in doing something. But Mary had figured it out. I just need to be at his feet. Like, if he's going to be at our house tonight in our presence, I've just got to be found at his feet. When it comes to God sending us his spirit, be in his presence. It's where freedom is found. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 24. Listen to this. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. If you've ever been like, what's God's will? What's God planned for, planned for my life? Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. You're welcome. Just helped you out. I know you're like 54. And you're like, I've been trying to figure out God's plan for my life. It was right there. It was in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16. You just skipped over it. It's all good. High school students. What do I got? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. That's God's plan. But then notice this. It says, do not quench the spirit. I'm just letting you know that you and I, we can get caught up in so many things. I think sometimes the idea of quenching the spirit is like, stop sinning. Stop doing all the bad stuff. Stop being so busy. Stop being so busy and passing by the fact that God says, can you just, the scripture in Psalms says, be still and know that I'm God. When was the last time you had a be still moment? For some of us, being still is difficult because that's when everything starts going, right? I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And that's why the Bible says in Romans 12, 1 and 2, you are to be transformed by the renewing of your mind because you're going to have to submit your mind to him to be able to be still long enough to just be, to just be root, not fruit. And then Ephesians 4, 29 and 32. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it, may be, that it may benefit those who listen. And notice this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. It's a very interesting concept. To grieve the spirit of God. If you go look at any time the spirit of God is mentioned in Hebrew, um, the term spirit in Hebrew is always a feminine term. Now, just to be clear, so somebody in the room, he said God's a woman. Um, all I know is Proverbs says that he's a father to the fatherless and a mother to the motherless. So I think um, while, yes, we know he is father, sometimes we just put God in this like Google God, and you're going to see some angry man in the sky with a lightning bolt in his hand, and, like, that's the image of God. That's just not the God we serve. That's just not the God of the Bible. That's just not who he is. But it's interesting that a father and son, forgiveness, but the spirit of God, which is God, the spirit of God can be grieved. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Women, I don't know if you've ever done this. There's an issue with you and your husband. Maybe kids, you forgive them. You're forgiven. I love you. I forgive you. But then it's like a few days later, it's, it's not even that you're still holding it against them. It's just like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. I love you. I forgive you. Like, but I'm telling you, there is, and, and by the spirit of God, we see it. The spirit of God can be grieved. It's not that sins are held against you. I'm just saying that there is, I've found seasons in my life where I've walked in things that I know I shouldn't walk in, and I can grieve the spirit of God. Because it's not a grieve like, how dare you? I can't believe you. It's died for you to live for so much more than that. So much more than that. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We, don't, we shouldn't quench the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't grieve the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that a life not focused on doing better, but being with him. 
Look, you could be screwing up every single day, but found in his presence, and he'd be pleased. I don't know if you got kids, but if my daughter was in my presence, still struggling, but just coming to, to, to be with me, to talk with me, Daddy, here's what went on at school. Here's what I did. I made a wrong choice, but just, Daddy, I'm so sorry. And you saw, like, dude, I'm, I'm here for it. I, I love her unconditionally, right? And so I just want you to see that the Spirit of God is not, what's he like? He does a work that he does not expect you to do if you'll just be with him. That's what he's like. He's got so much good to flow in and through your life. And, and I want to say this, and I was, I was uh, cleaning out our car this week praying, and I had this thought. Some of us are, the Holy Spirit is like, I need more of the Holy Spirit for sure. While, yes, we can need more of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes I think the perspective's wrong. You could be in the season you're in because the Holy Spirit's like, I just need more of you. I need more of you surrendered. I need more of you surrendered. So sometimes we're like, I need more of the Holy Spirit, but I really think it's that he needs more of us surrendered to him. That little thing that you're still holding on to, you got you to let go of that. He's going to handle it much better than you are. And a lot of times what will happen with talks about the Holy Spirit is Christians will say, you know, you can have certain denominations be like, I got this from the Holy Spirit, and I do this, and I do that. And it almost can make other people feel like I'm better because of what I have with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't make me better than you. The Holy Spirit makes me better than me. I know who I am without the Spirit of God. I need him. And it's not like, oh, look at me. No, having the Holy Spirit in my life, being found in his presence daily, makes me better than the me I would be without him. I need him. Yeah, you can clap for the word of God because it changes everything. These truths change everything. Our last scripture today, you can stand to your feet, John 4, John 4, 41 and 42. Remember the woman at the well, right? Remember the woman at the well, she has this encounter. She's kind of blown away, leaves her water jar, runs back to town. Come meet a man that told me everything about my life. He was reading my text messages. He found my browser history. Excuse me? <laughs> Just think about it. Come meet a man who found out every bad thing about me and told me all about it. Like, just, I want you to see the story for a second. Why is this woman shouting? The only way someone can shout about all of their dirty laundry being talked about is because they've been set free from it. Yeah, freedom. I'm talking about real freedom. I'm not talking about illusion of freedom. I'm not talking about that you came into church and it makes you feel better about yourself and that God's in heaven checking it off, giving you a golf clap. Coming here is not God going, good job, thanks so much. Coming here is for you. Coming here is so that you can be the man or the woman that Jesus died for you to live to be. That's why you get in this place. That's why we show up. God's not up there be like, man, your attendance is real good. No, God understands that when we are found in the body of Christ, that is where everything is joined together and we can live and move and have our being and impact the city and push the gospel forward. But the end of the story with the woman at the well is crazy because she's there shouting, tells everybody, come meet this man. Everybody's like, this will be a good afternoon. Come on. And they head to the well, and they begin to hear Jesus starts talking to them. And Jesus is trying to leave. His disciples had gone into the market, which is a whole other conversation for a different day, that he sent a bunch of Jewish boys into a Samaritan marketplace. He sent them into just racial tension. And I just feel like there was probably some conversation around the fire where Jesus was like, so how was that? <laughs> Laughing at him like, you jerk. Can't believe you did that. So, and they come back with food. 
And Jesus is talking to the woman when they come back before she runs to the village. He, they come back with food, and the woman is talking about food, and Jesus says, I have food you know nothing about. And they're like, what the crap? He already had food? Are you kidding me? We're just going on the market to get food? Jesus is just messing with people. The woman goes. Everyone comes to hear Jesus. He speaks. And then the Bible says this. The people beg Jesus to stay with them for two more days. Jesus stays. And then Jesus finishes his time with them, teaching them the word of God, and he leaves. And look at John 4, 41 and 42. Many more believed because of his word, Jesus. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. I could come up here and tell you who he is and tell you what he's like, but I'm telling you that when you come to the well, when Jesus showed up and said, I thirst, he said, will you give me a drink of water? It wasn't that he couldn't get his own water. His outward expression was an expression of the woman's inward state that she was longing and thirsting for more, and nothing would satisfy satisfier no man nothing the world had to offer but the people the woman gets changed the people come to the well and they say we don't believe anymore because you told us i've experienced for myself i know what he's like i know who he is i've seen what he produces in my life i've found myself at the feet of jesus day after day some days i'm crying some days i'm saying god where are you some days i'm saying god you're faithful some days i'm saying god what is going on have you forgotten about me but i've been in his presence and I know who he is, and I don't believe because someone else told me. I believe because I've experienced it for myself. I don't know where you're at today, but I'm here to tell you, come meet a man who told me everything about myself. Come meet a person of God, the Holy Spirit, who literally changed everything about myself. I had been in ministry for a year. I went back home and preached. I preached a message, and my mom grabbed me by my arm. She looked me dead in the eyes. She said, John, what happened to you? I said, what are you talking about? She said, you're different. I haven't heard you preach in a year. What happened? And I looked at her and tears began to well up because I remember being on the bayou in Louisiana upstairs in this apartment that I rented from someone in their garage and having an encounter with the Holy Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, will you just show up? And I looked at my mom and I said, I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Everything changed. Everything changed. I just surrendered. Everything that I was still holding on to, Holy Spirit, it's yours. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Is there anybody in here today that would just say, I don't want to believe anymore because someone else told me. I want to experience it for myself. I just believe there's some people who want a fresh touch from heaven today. If that's you, will you lift your hand? I see hands lifted up. Yeah, you want a fresh touch from heaven. I just want you to know the Holy Spirit will come right in the room, right where you are. He wants to meet you right where you are, but he loves you too much to let you stay in that place. He's taking you somewhere else. Fear go, Holy Spirit come. Fear go, Holy Spirit come. Our altars are open. I'm going to be to my left, your right. If you want to have a conversation, maybe you're like, man, I just want to know more. I know we're going a little over time today with the baby um, dedications, but I just sense the Spirit of God is moving on some people's life. In this very moment, I know some of you are maybe here because someone invited you. They believe. I want you to know that you can experience him for yourself. And it's not do better, be better. No, it's meet him. Meet him. He changes everything. So Jesus, right now in these next few moments, Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. May hearts be surrendered. God, we open ourselves up to all that you have in Jesus' name. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.